privilege to be here today. I was thinking about that this morning when I was driving in. I, uh, and that car you see up there brings back these memories. But it was, I figured out 39 years ago this month that I was suspended from ministry because I had gotten a divorce. And when the Reformed Church found out about it, I had a seven-week paid administrative leave where I went and lived with my parents. Um, and I was not allowed to have any contact with the church during that time period. So I was kind of a hermit. But what happened during that time was I met Diane. And uh, so it's just been trouble ever since. <laughs> but it was an interesting time, and they did reinstate me. So sorry about that, guys, but I'm still in. And it, it worked out good. So special greetings to the folks in South Dakota who tune in to this. It's good to have you with us, as always, and uh, we can remember those times. So today we are talking about regrets, and I have a few regrets, and I'm sure that everyone here does. One of the regrets I have is this, that's why I put this car up there. That is a Pontiac 6000 LE, and there's a fellow in the first service who sold cars, and he said that somebody came in wanting to trade in their Pontiac Ghoulie because they got the 6,000, you know, wrong. But anyway, um, that was an interesting car. It had 90 horsepower. It was a four-cylinder and was supposed to be GM's answer to all of the problems of the 80s. But it, uh, it didn't work very well. And I, had, I ended up putting three transmissions in it, and, uh, well, I regretted buying it. But we've done other things, too, that we regret. You know, I got married the first time at 18, and that didn't work too well. And I've done things that have hurt people, which I still regret to this day. I was thinking about that as I was putting this together. There was a kid in my high school who lost his dad. His dad had died of a heart attack. This kid was socially maladjusted. And he got picked on mercilessly, beat up all the time. And I could have defended him, but I didn't. I just stood by and watched. And to this day, whenever I see his name anywhere or any of his relatives, I get that pang of guilt. Like, why didn't I stand up for that guy? And then, just a few years ago, maybe about two or three years ago, we were at a wedding in California. Some people there that I hadn't seen since my high school days. And this one guy comes out to me and goes, yeah, I remember you were the one that was so mean to me in dodgeball. And I can't even remember playing dodgeball, but he remembered it. And he said that I was really aggressive. And I, I, I apologize profusely because he's a lot bigger than me now. But um, it was just one of those things that happened, you know. Things that, and then there's things that I've said that hurt people, and I have deep regrets of that. We all have regrets for one thing or another. I've heard deathbed confessions many times in the years I've been a pastor. Probably the one that stands out the most is a, a veteran of Korea, and he was dying. He was on his last few days, and he says, I, I got to tell somebody this, but he says, when I was in Korea, I shot and killed a whole bunch of people that I didn't have to. It was not something he had to do, but he did it. And he did it just because he was angry at the Koreans, and he shot a bunch of civilians, and he felt terrible about it. 
I've also heard confessions from people who've stolen from their employers and felt bad about that. I've heard of people stealing from family members and they deeply regret doing that. I've heard lots of times of people who cheat on a spouse that ends a marriage and I've heard all kinds of regrets coming from things like that. And then those of us who are parents, well, you know, the, the line of perfect parents is pretty short. And so if we are parents, we realize we didn't do a perfect job raising our kids. I've made lots of mistakes raising my kids, and so have all of us who are parents. Now, like uh, Caleb and Maddie, your kid's going to be perfect, but you're going to be the exception to the rule, right? But it happens that way. We, we do that. As uh, Tony Soprano says, if it wasn't for parents, none of us would need psychiatrists. But, you know, we do make mistakes, and we sometimes have deep regrets from doing that. And regret can be a good thing because it means you have a conscience. God gives us the gift of a conscience to help us get through this life. And so sometimes regrets can be a good thing. I think that regret can be summarized like this. It says, our regrets can teach us about ourselves, help us to avoid repeating mistakes, and encourage us to make better decisions in the future. But the regrets you feel can make you feel alienated from people. And regret can make you feel alienated from God. Now, there's good news, if that's the case. Today, we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Romans, where he talked about this. He talked about how we can experience forgiveness. Uh, just a little background on Paul. He was converted to Christianity later in life. He was a very strict Jew. He was a member of the Pharisees. And he wrote this letter to the, the people in Rome. It was kind of a mixed group because what had happened was one of the Caesars had chased all the Jewish people out of Rome. He made it illegal for you to live in Rome and be a Jew. But then Nero came to power, and Nero saw the Jews as a good tax base, so he invited them back in. So they were back, and what was going on was a number of these Jewish people had converted to Christianity and a number of the pagan Romans had converted to Christianity. So you had those two groups forming this fledgling church and it was kind of an interesting thing. Now what they had in common, the Jews and the pagans all believed that you had to offer sacrifices, that you had to kill animals to make God not be mad at you doesn't make any sense at all to us. It's way out of our line of thinking. But the pagans had altars in all of their temples where they had to bring animals. The animals would then be sacrificed. You had to watch the animal bleed out. And then you had a barbecue, a village barbecue, is essentially what happened. Same thing with the Jews. They had the one temple. The temple had to be in Jerusalem. The Wailing Wall is still standing to this day. You see it on the news every once in a while these days. They had an altar there. They had to kill animals because that was how you kept God from being angry with you. You had to do these things to get on God's good side. That's what they all believed before they came to Jesus. As you can imagine, it's a hard habit to break. And the regrets that they had must have haunted them forever. And it's to these people that Paul writes the letter to the Romans. Now, 
well, I think the Letter to the Romans is a really cool book. And uh, we have fragments of it. This little fragment up here is from 250 AD approximately. So it's one of the oldest pieces of the New Testament that's still in existence. And uh, they found that like in the last 20 years or so. Very interesting stuff. And believe it or not, I can actually read that. That's what uh, nine semesters of Greek does to you. But it's, it's, I think, quite exciting that we found them that old, and who knows how long it'll be before we find some that are even older than that. But this is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. So what you did wrong doesn't matter. It's gone. You're not made right with God by sacrificing animals. You're not made right with God by something that you do. None of those things work. They can't work. Look at verse 22. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And I would add, no matter what we have done. I think it's a great truth. We simply trust Jesus to save you. I've used this chair a hundred times at least to illustrate that. Just like you place your weight in a chair, you trust the chair to hold you up. So you trust Jesus to save you. And it is that simple. Now, if you've done some bad stuff, I don't know if anybody here has. But yeah, you all have. We can join the club. You know, we are a club of sinners. And the only way we're made right is by trusting Jesus to save us. That's true for everyone, no matter who you are or what you've done. There is one way of salvation that is through grace. And as I've said many times, if you're not saved by grace, you're not saved. Now Paul goes on with this. And let's keep this in the context of our regrets. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. See, everyone has sinned. There is no exceptions to that. If you think you haven't sinned, well, that's just plain ignorance. We've all done things that we regret, things that we should regret. Yet God makes us right through Jesus. Just like that. And it's not because of who you are. It's not because you're such a wonderful person or whatever, not because you do so many good things. It's not because of who you are, it's because of who God is. And that is something that we can bank on. We're saved because of who God is, not because of us or something that we've done. Paul goes on with this, verse 27, Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. 
So we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. See, we can't do anything to make God accept us. Nothing at all. He's seen it all, and his scoreboard doesn't work that way. We can't do things that impress him. Now, I've never been in the Boy Scouts. I've had buddies who have been, and I'm certainly not against the Boy Scouts, but they have merit badges. I remember hearing my friends talk about these merit badges and the things they had to do with it, and I always thought that my $1.60 an hour part-time job was more important than doing these merit badges when I was in high school, but a lot of them did, and they climbed the ranks of the Boy Scout organization. I found out this week, I looked it up, there's 137 possible merit badges that you can earn as a Boy Scout. That's a lot of merit badges. But God doesn't work on the merit system. You can have all the merit badges you want. You can do all the goods you want. You can go to church every day. You can do everything. None of it makes a difference. The only thing that gets you saved is faith in Jesus. And that's called grace. And as I said earlier, if you're not saved by grace, you're not saved. Well, what do you do about the regrets? I still have regrets. I'm sure that all of us do. Now, what we can know about those regrets in terms of our relationship with God is it's handled. They're taken care of, okay? As far as God is concerned, whatever you did to cause those regrets is handled by Jesus. So things are cool between you and God. That's taken care of. But what about the people you've hurt? What do you do with that? Well, you can apologize to them, and they may or may not forgive you. If they do forgive you, that's a good thing. But if they don't, that's their problem, not yours. So how do you remove regret? How do you get it out of your life? Well, I don't think you should. I think regret is probably a good thing. Someone will say to me, oh, I, I feel so bad. Well, it's okay to feel bad. You know, in spite of modern psychology or whatever, it's okay. You don't have to be happy all the time. It's okay to have some, some thoughts inside of you that are not happy and joyful. It's okay because we live in a broken world. And once we accept the fact that it's okay to not feel good all the time, it doesn't matter anymore. Who says you need to feel good all the time? But what regret does is it helps us to not repeat the behavior. It's called learning. I think that regret is tuition. It's the tuition we pay for learning things that we ought not to do. So I encourage people to embrace their regret. and Just don't repeat what caused it. I know for a fact that I don't have to ever buy another Pontiac, okay? I regretted buying this one. I don't have to buy another one. Well, they don't make them anymore. I wonder why. Uh, but they don't make Pontiacs anymore. I don't have to buy one. See, and you don't have to repeat anything that you've done that you regret. 
Regret helps you avoid more pain. Now, I feel bad for people who are haunted by regrets, and there's a lot of them. Just remember, if this regret creeps up on you all the time, remember you're saved by trusting Jesus to save you. You're saved because of who he is, not because of who you are. And you're made right through faith. Remember verses 27 and 28. Can we boast that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. So we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. So know that you're okay with God. No matter how many regrets you have, know that you're okay with God and that most people will forgive you. You just need to forgive yourself and move forward with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, my prayer for everybody in this room is that as the memories come in, as the regrets are there, we rejoice in our regrets, knowing that you have provided a way of salvation and that everything's okay with, between us. So we come to you, confessing the things that need to be confessed and rejoicing in the grace that you show us. And we're thankful that you've given us the means to change our behavior so that the regrets can be fewer because of the salvation you've extended to us. Amen.